Well, 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 well. Look what just happened. Can you believe it? Yeah, what I'm talking about is that you all showed up here on time for what will probably be the highlight of your whole life, today's show. Yeah, you know, the rest of your life might have had some good highlights, like, let's say, you know, your wedding or the, the birth of your children. You know, those are good too, yada, yada, yada. But this, this is meaningful. This is the best thing that's ever happened in any universe, in any metaverse, virtual, AR, or other, period. It's called Coffee with Scott Adams, and nothing is better than it. And if you want to go to yet another level, go to another level, yeah. Who wants to take it to another level? All of you. Well, all you need is a cup or mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice, a stein, a canteen, jug or a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. Join me now for the unparalleled pleasure. The dopamine here of the day. The thing that makes everything better, especially your antibodies. Yeah, it's true. One sip of coffee will enlighten your uh, antibodies, give them a little energy. If you have uncaffeinated antibodies, well, you're just naked. It's like walking around naked. Let's give some caffeine to those antibodies. Go. Mmm. Can you feel them being a little bit more active? I think you can. I think you can. Goosebumps. Wow. You can feel those antibodies now waking up. It's true. They go to sleep at night. But now they're awake. Well, here's the biggest news. Uh, Looks like it's going to (laughs) rain. Now, that doesn't seem like big news to you, wherever you live. Well, I live in California, and it's going to rain. Oh, God, that's good news. (laughs) Apparently, it's going to rain a lot, like a a shit ton of rain coming our way, like lots and lots of rain. Well, we can't get enough, and that's good news. So I like it when problems sort of solve themselves. Do we have any? Yeah, oh, sure, there might be some mudslides. Pessimist. Pessimist, like, how about mudslides? Yeah, there might be mudslides, but I'd rather have water. Well, here's the fake news. You ready for the fake news? CNN has a good dose of fake news. I'll read the, what they wrote, and then you tell me what is the fake part, okay? What is the fake part of this news? CNN says... A booster dose of the Pfizer blah 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 coronavirus vaccine was found to have a high efficacy. Can we all? I gotta take a little aside road here. Can we all agree on one thing? I know we're there's a lot of uh, division in the country. Might even be a little division on this live stream. But if there's one thing we can all agree on, please, it's that. Pronouncing the word efficacy is really fun. It makes you feel good when you say it. it. Makes you feel smart. Try it. Try it at home. Just say out loud, efficacy. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel it? It's not like other words. It's fun to say. And it makes you feel like you're really on top of your game. If you can pronounce efficacy, you know, nicely. You look like you're, well, practically a scientist. Now, you're not any virologist, probably. 
But you just learned to say efficacy just right. Well, anyway, back to my story of fake news from CNN. A booster dose of the Pfizer blah, blah, blah coronavirus vaccine was found to have a high efficacy of 95.6%. Um, and that's in the phase three trial, and the company announced that the efficacy was consistent irrespective of age, sex, race, ethnicity, and comorbid conditions. Oh, I like this new word, comorbid conditions, because I've been saying comor- comorbidities. Comorbidities is a cool word. It's no, it's no efficacy. I think we can agree on that. But I like saying it. So I'm going to say comorbid conditions now to make me sound smart. All right, what's the fake news? What's the fake news? Anybody? Anybody? What's the fake news? I'm going to take it as true. Let's see, I will stipulate that the 95.6% efficacy is accurate. But what's the fake part? Where's the fake news? Come on, you know. You know where it is. Nobody? Really? (laughs) I thought this one would be easier. All right, um, let me tell you. It's not the day one efficacy that anybody cares about. Am I wrong? Who is it who is really obsessing about day one efficacy? It's not a day one efficacy story. It's a how fast does it wear off story. Am I wrong? The story is how long it lasts. And that's not in the story. Because obviously they can't know that because it's new. This is... The, this is just disgusting fake news because they've they led you to believe that the thing they told you is the important thing, and it's not. It's not. I mean, it's great that the efficacy is that high. I mean, it's actually impressive. And whoever came up with this, uh, let's say, COVID shot, I don't like to call it a vaccine for reasons you understand, but it's still a miracle. I mean, if it does this, it's kind of a miracle, so it's it's amazing. But... You know, assuming it doesn't kill you. But um, I feel like they they didn't tell us the actual story because that's the part that matters, how long it lasts. Now, they don't know, but I feel like they have to at least mention it. All right. Um, how many of you saw me um, interview Bjorn Lomborg? So I did that not on a live stream. I did it on a recorded interview so I could have a proper two-screen situation without technical problems. And that's, that's posted now on uh, YouTube. So just search for, uh, if you just search for Bjorn Lomborg and my name, it'll pop right up. And you really should take the time. You should take the time. Look at the other comments. You'll see that people enjoyed it a lot. And very similar uh, in, uh, let's say, in theme to a lot of things you see from Michael Schellenberger sort of the, the smarter way to look at climate and uh, nuclear energy and stuff like that. Uh, but Lomborg's been saying this for, I don't know, a long time. He's been on, on this for a long time, and he's just a, a great explainer. So if you want to see somebody who understands statistics and business and risk management, you got to see Lomborg. Right? So... I don't like, let, let, me, let me say this as clearly as possible. I don't really enjoy interviewing other people. <laughs> because 
the fun part is when I'm talking. But I'm also completely aware that you're not in it for my fun. <laughs> you, know, you don't watch this because I'm having fun. You're, you're looking for some benefit for yourself, quite naturally. And it does seem to me that the, especially the author interviews... Let me get, Can I give some... Um, I need some career advice. Let me take a pause here. I need some career advice, and this is serious. This is serious questions, career advice. I don't love interviewing uh, authors because of the homework. You, you kind of have to read the book, right? I mean, you don't have to, but it's a, it's a reasonable courtesy and expectation, especially if it's a recorded interview and you're just going to do that with the author. you kind of got to read the book. So reading books and then interviewing people is, I don't know, 10 times harder than what I like to do every day, which is this. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I would do this just for fun, <laughs> literally. Literally, this experience is, is purely fun for me. But the author interviews take you know, more concentration and work. However, I think they're more useful. All right, here's the part uh, that I can only say in public because I have no sense of shame whatsoever, which is a big advantage in life. I'm going to say something that nobody should say out loud. If they had any sense of dignity or shame or you know, self-preservation, right? I'm just, I'm just going to say it out loud. I think I'm the best in the world at interviewing people. Uh, you, you're just going to have to deal with that for a moment. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I don't know that to be true, right? If I had certainty about it, I'd be crazy. But based on my uh, experience of just interviewing a few people... I don't think anybody does it the way I do it. And I think it has more to do with the way I do it than you know, some natural quality I possess or something like that. So it's not so much about be, me being awesome, and that's the part that keeps people from saying something like that in public. I actually think I might be the best in the world at this. And I don't know why exactly. could be that I, I don't have as much partisanship. could be that the windows that I use to look at things are a little bit different or something. Um, Somebody says Joe Rogan is hard to beat. Let me make a a statement, and I'll leave no ambiguity here whatsoever. I'm way better than Joe Rogan at interviewing people. It's not even close. Joe Rogan is a a show in which you've got three hours of content, and he's great at it. You know, maybe the best ever. Maybe the best ever. If you just look at his success and his audience and the impact he has, I think you could say Joe Rogan's show is the best ever of you know, anything in that genre. But in the narrow question of just doing an interview, you don't do a three-hour interview. <laughs> you can do three hours of content. Yeah, I mean, and he does that great. But an interview needs to be shorter, Right? So if you're just going to do one, one interview, 45 minutes is a lot for an interview. <clears throat> a narcissist compensates with false bravado. Oh, you're talking about somebody else, not me. But you can call me a narcissist too. That would be fine. But just be specific. Uh, I'm a grandiose narcissist, um, not a vulnerable narcissist. Well, as far as I know. I mean, could be wrong about that. 
as far as I know, I'm, I'm the kind of narcissist that likes to get stuff done. And then if I get credit for that, that's great. <laughs> I like it. But I, but I need to do things that are legitimately useful for other people, or I don't get anything. So, moving along. All right, I see your comment. Um, but what was the answer to that? Should I do more author interviews? One question, and then I'll move on. Should I do more author interviews? Locals Platform says, absolutely yes, yes, yes. Away for a moment. Uh, YouTube's a little mixed. No, no, yes, no. Uh, yes, 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 no, no, no. Okay, in a question like this, only the yeses matter. Here, here's a little uh, tip for you about how to judge public opinion on entertainment stuff. This is a really good tip. Learn this, and you'll, you'll have something to take with you. So I'm looking at the YouTube uh, messages, and it's a mixture of yeses and noes. So what should that tell me about whether I should do this? It's an absolute yes, based on the feedback. Because it doesn't matter how many people say no. This is the key learning. It doesn't matter how many people wouldn't watch it. It has nothing to do with whether you should do it. The only thing that matters is how many would, because <laughs> there's a lot of people. If 5 billion people hate you, but a billion people love you, you're in a pretty good position if you've got a billion people on your side, even if five billion hate you. So it has nothing to do with how many people don't want to watch you. Irrelevant. All right. Um, yeah, so also I was on uh, Viva and Barnes yesterday. You should Google that. That was a lot of fun. If you missed me on Viva and Barnes, you're going to want to at least stay for how I addressed the first troll who had a comment. Because I might have lost my, I might have lost my composure. <laughs> so if you like, if you like to watch things where people lose their composure, you want to watch that one. You might like it. Well, the big news today is that Trump is launching a social media network called Truth Social Media. Um, they're saying that so far it's uh, um, they're opening it up for beta, beta users. So, so Trump's network will be open for beta users. Um, there is some suggestion that later conservatives will also be able to use it. But for now, apparently you have to be a beta to use it. Um, so I assume it's just all mostly Democrats. I don't know. Am, am I reading too much into this? Oh, 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 a beta. I'm sorry. I misinterpreted this. It's, it's the technology is the beta. It's the technology that... Okay. I thought it was just for betas. Um, One of my weirdest predictions might be about ready to come true. I'm not sure yet, so I don't have confidence in it. But here's one of my weirdest predictions. Trump would lose money as president and make it back after he was out of office and, and 10 times more. So when everybody said, uh, I think running for president is really bad for your company, and it was, it was terrible for the Trump uh, company, I assume, you know, it's a private company, but one assumes looking from the outside it was just terrible for business. But now he's launched this uh, new media platform, I assume he has equity, right? Has anybody seen any reporting 
on the degree of equity that Trump has versus his partners? I don't think I've seen that. But one assumes he has you know, a good chunk of equity. And what is the best way to become a multi-billionaire in the United States? It's this. <laughs> Somehow, Trump managed to have equity in the type of company. Now, we don't know if this one will work per se, but in the type of company that makes you a multi-billionaire right away. He, he could be one year away from being one of the richest people in the country again. <laughs> and I, I always assumed that he would find a way to monetize you know, his reputation and everything else. And maybe this is it. You know, you, you can't really bet on any newish platform succeeding. I think the odds are always against it. But he's bringing something that nobody ever brought before, which is himself. And if people just sign up just so they can see what he's saying, imagine if he runs for president, which seems likely, and the only place you can see the good stuff is on his, his platform. You have to sign up, right? <laughs> if the only place you can see his like, extra good stuff is on his own platform... Every reporter has to sign up. Basically, every pundit, everybody who watches the news, you all have to sign up. So he does have kind of a perfect setup, which doesn't mean it's going to succeed, but the the setup's kind of perfect. Uh, I've already uh, put in my name, so uh, there's a site where you can go to to sign up to be invited or not. So I put in my name. I was looking at a... uh, Michael Schellenberger uh, tweet talking about Greta Thunberg, who was quoted in the past as saying, quote, I want you to panic. So Greta, and of course other people, literally wanted people to panic about the climate change stuff. And unfortunately, I think they succeeded. (laughs) It looks like they succeeded in getting people to panic. So it's sort of a be careful what you wish for situation. Because um, I've, said the best, I've said the best situation if climate change is really as dangerous as people say, or any version of it is, um, you need a little bit of panic, don't you? Like, there, there's some productive amount of fear that gets you to do the right things so you, you're not in trouble in the future. But maybe we overshot the mark. We may have over-panicked. It's hard to know what is the exact right amount of panic. Well, I think it's time to fire Pete Buttigieg. Um, and I'm, I'm reasonably pro-Buttigieg. And I'm also reasonably, not reasonably, I'm pro-paternal leave, right? Wouldn't want to threaten you know, the, the idea that people can have you know, parental leave. Um, but at the same time, it is maybe the biggest problem in the country. And I don't think anybody's in charge, are they? Is anybody in charge? Um, I, I saw on Twitter somebody saying that the, the uh, Secretary of Transportation is not really the person who's the right person to fix the, the trucking slash problem. <clears throat> is that true? Do, can somebody tell me that just the first question is, is Buttigieg, does he even have the portfolio and the power to be in charge of this problem? Because that's a good question. Right. And if it's not him, who is it? And if you don't know who it is, and it's the biggest problem, and it's not the president, 
president doesn't seem involved in any way. Who's working on the biggest problem? I feel like Buttigieg has taken some responsibility for it, hasn't he? Somebody says, power, yes, but portfolio, no. I think that's the right answer. I think the answer is that Buttigieg could take control of it. You know, he, he could sort of... Uh, he, I'm, I'm sure he could get Biden to assign him the job of, you know, transportation czar of trucking and logistics or something. So uh, I, I think you're right that maybe his, his job description is not exactly on point, but in a crisis... It seems like he would be the one that you'd pick. Now, let me ask you this. If Trump were president, how would this supply chain problem look different? I feel like Trump would have solved this by now. I also feel a hashtag coming on. It's a little too long, but something along the lines of Trump would have solved this by now. Because, it, you know, look at the, uh, the border problem. Trump would have solved that by now. There are, there are a few things that we see that just look like, obviously, Trump would be the better choice, if only because he would be engaged and, and Biden doesn't seem to be. Look, look at what Trump might have done. All right, we're just speculating here because we don't know. But here's something he might have done. Trump might have fired somebody, right? He might have fired somebody. I don't know if that's Buttigieg or somebody else, but I think you have to fire somebody. Like, I feel like it. Now, maybe there's nobody who's quite on point to be the right one to fire. But if there's nobody to fire, then at least you need to pick a czar to be in charge so you have somebody to fire later, right? I think Trump would have written some executive orders to override some any state regulations that were slowing things down. Now, I've heard things such as there are not enough trucks because of environmental concerns of old trucks in California. Do you think Trump couldn't solve that problem? One EO just says, well, temporarily, you can use any truck you want. Just temporarily, because it's a crisis. You don't think Trump would have done that? Just sign something that says, temporarily, we're not going to worry about California's you know, regulations. Now, it could be that the trucks just don't exist. You know, Maybe the older trucks have been decommissioned and whatever else. So maybe there's just no play there. I don't know. But why don't we know that? Because nobody's in charge. <laughs> there's nobody in the government who says, I'm in charge. Let me give you an update. Here's what we're doing. Here's what's wrong. We've identified the problem. Here's the solution we're working on. It might take us a little time, but we've identified the problem. Somebody's in charge, and here's the, the solution we, we think will work. Where's all that? Right? Where's all of that? At the very least, I think a Trump administration would be keeping you up to date on what the hell is happening, or even tell you what the problem was. So I've been asking um, everybody for days now, describe what exactly is the problem. And luckily, people who are well-informed, a number of people who work in the field and are involved with logistics, some of them you know, have interviewed employees at the docks, and with all this information, finally, finally, I got really clear, detailed answer to why things are slowing down. Unfortunately, all of the really clear, detailed answers of why the supply chain isn't working were different. That's right. 
Lots of experts weighed in. People who really know. They're, at, they're actually working on it right now. The people in the field doing logistics, doing the shipping, you know, unloading them. The people who are close to it, they really know. And so they told me what the problem was. Lots of them. All different. What's that mean? What's it mean when everybody knows the problem, but they all have a different answer? What's that mean? Well, the, the smallest amount it means is that there's something going on. <laughs> you know what it feels like? I don't think it is, so don't take this as a conspiracy. Let me tell you what it feels like. Tell me, actually, see if anybody else says the same thing. What, what does it feel like is the problem? Not really. You know, there's no evidence of this. But what's it feel like? Boom. Uh, uh, Tim Amaka on Locals got the right answer. War. It feels like when the Twin Towers got hit with airplanes and you didn't quite know who was doing it or who was behind it, it feels like war. Specifically, let's see if you can take it to the next level. So war is the right answer. Take it to the next level. Give give me another detail on that. Somebody says China. Give me another detail. I'm not not alleging this. There's no allegation. I'm just saying how it feels. There's one thing I'm looking for here. I haven't seen it yet. There we go. Somebody got it. I knew I knew you'd get it, uh, David. I think David said it first on locals. Uh, it looks like a cyber attack. I'll I'll even take it to another level. Uh, I'm accepting cyber as you know close enough. It looks like an AI attack. Yeah, what did that just do to your brain? Right? First time you heard that. I don't think anybody else has mentioned it. This feels like an AI attack. That's what it feels like. Now, I I would not allege that, because I think you'd you'd have to have some kind of direct evidence to say that. But if we ever get an AI attack, what's it going to look like? It's going to look like a whole bunch of things seem to stop working right at about the same time. It's going to look like we can't quite identify the source of the problem, but our our systems aren't working. The the things that used to be smooth just stop being smooth, and we don't know why. Now, again, let me be very clear. I'm not alleging that this is some kind of an AI attack. I'm only alleging that it would feel and look exactly like this. I don't think you'd know you'd be attacked. When you think of an AI attack, you think they're going to turn the lights off. Or you think they're going to you know, break uh, the hydroelectric dam or something. You, know, you think of it like a terrorist attack. But I think AI would attack without telling you they're attacking. What's the point of having artificial intelligence if, it, if it's dumb? <laughs> right? You don't want dumb AI. That's no good. A smart AI wouldn't tell you it's attacking. Would it? It'd be a sneak attack. So an AI attack that you know, was worth anything would be a sneak attack. Because you don't want um, you don't want some kind of a response. What did I do to your brains today? Because 
The, the first time you realize that, and again, I'm not saying this is an AI attack, the first time you realize that this is what it would look like and how it would feel is pretty disconcerting, isn't it? Pretty disconcerting. Um, now, specific, let me add a little meat to that. The way an AI attack would, would work would be just to hit enough systems that are related to the same process, in this case the supply chain, to have enough misinformation and enough persuasion just inserted at the right points that several things seem to be breaking at the same time and you, and you wouldn't know why. Just Everything's just a little bit broken. You know, nothing exploded, just everything's a little bit broken and then the supply chain just goes crazy. All right. Um, Newsweek had a story today in which uh, they referred to the fine people uh, hoax but linked to an article that seemed to treat it like it was true. Now, I was informed that Newsweek did, in fact, put the clarifying statement in there that Trump said he wasn't talking about the neo-Nazis. But in, in, in its entirety, and with the link, they're still spreading the fine people hoax in 2021. The most debunked hoax of all time, still being at least couched in a way that they're making it look like maybe it was true, based on the linked, uh, linked article. And so I said to myself, how could you not know that in 2021? So I Googled it. Google, uh, you just use Google, and Google find people hoax, and put a plus in front of hoax so you make sure that an article comes up that says hoax. Do you know what will come up? Articles that say it's true and don't have the word hoax in them. Now, I only did this quickly, so I didn't confirm this, but I think that's true. I think the top searches for the thing that requires the word hoax to be in it don't have the word hoax in it. You have to go down pretty far to get something from Politico or from me. Right? Uh, try it yourself and just... Can somebody confirm that? So this is an unconfirmed claim. I'm claiming, because I didn't open all the articles, but I doubt those articles had the word hoax in it. Kind of doubt it. They, it feels like they're artificially pinned to the top. Not sure, but it looked like it. All right. <clears throat> so, um, do you know Robert, everybody know Robert Reich, economist and uh, Democrat? And he's a super partisan, you know, tweeter and uh, pretty active on social media. And here's my problem with him. I think it's because he's an economist that I have more problem with his bias than I do with other people's. You know, if you see a politician or somebody who's working for a politician or clearly an activist, and they say things that are just amazingly biased and one-sided and basically just looks like a lie, you say to yourself, well, they're a politician or they're working for a politician, and you, you sort of discount it as being just ridiculous. But when a, when a famous, you know, at least notable uh, economist says something, you, you try to think, well, you know, at least maybe he's right about that. But he is so insanely biased that it just disgusts me when I see his tweets. <laughs> because I hate to see somebody who's an economist, uh, like, throw his entire profession under a bus. If you're an economist and you can't treat things objectively, you need to give your degree back, right? You should just give it back. 
Because you didn't earn an economics degree if you can't even attempt to be a little unbiased. All right, so he tweeted, uh, he said there's something talking about the, uh, the bill to uh, strengthen the voting rights that got rejected. So Congress rejected it, uh, but there were enough people to have gotten a majority, but not enough to beat a filibuster. I think most of you are well-educated on the process, but if anybody isn't, um, most bills you could get passed with a simple majority, you know, 51% or whatever. Uh, but for some things, you need more than that, you know, a supermajority if you're trying to beat a filibuster. And a filibuster is just one party, usually, I think always, the minority party, uh, just trying to use the procedural right to talk forever, to delay things until, you know, you can't get anything passed. And Reich is saying, he says, he tweets, there's something terribly wrong with the system that allows 41 Senate Republicans representing only 21% of the country to block voting rights legislation supported by nearly 70% of Americans. The filibuster must go. God, he's so slimy. He's so slimy. All right, here's the problem with this. Um... How many of Americans actually understand what's in the voting rights bill? What do you think? He says 70% are in favor of this bill. How many do you think know what's in the bill? Zero. Zero. Because Democrats always make complicated bills that you can't understand. The infrastructure bill, $3.5 trillion. How many Americans knew what was in that? Zero. How many people know what's in the, uh, the voting rights bill? None. None. Nobody. So, Robert Reich, you slimy piece of shit. You know, suggesting that somehow 70% of Americans wanting this, or wanting voting rights in general, is somehow in favor of this specific bill. That's just not the case, and you know it. So, when I see somebody lie... I mean, this is just, well, lies may be the wrong word here. Uh, let's say persuade in such a biased way, it just discredits economists, and I hate that. <laughs> you know, the economists are certainly not right all the time, but they don't need this. All right. So it, it appears that Democrats have a two-pronged strategy, uh, and uh, that, that's, that's pretty interesting. The first prong is to get rid of the filibuster. Now, you're hearing a lot of talk about that, right? So Democrats uh, are the party in power, but they can't get things done because of this darn filibuster that Republicans keep using. So step one is a lot of Democrats want to get rid of the filibuster. Step one is their clever plan. Step two of their plan is to botch one thing after another until the party in power is the Republicans. So step one... Give whoever the party in power is all the power and get, by getting rid of the filibuster. Step two, make sure that the other party's in power and has all that power with no filibuster. Isn't that what's happening? Am I wrong? I'm not wrong, right? That they explicitly have those two goals? Well, the first one is explicit, get rid of the filibuster. But it does look like every single force is suggesting that the Republicans will retake power, right? I mean, at least Congress in 2022. 
So shouldn't getting rid of the filibuster be really close to the last thing they would want right now? I don't know. How can you support a party that has this as their plan to give all the power to the other side? I'm not making this up. You're seeing the same thing I see, right? <laughs> you, there, there's, no, there's no debate on these two facts. Democrats want to get rid of the filibuster, many of them, the ones, the ones we see talking in public. At the same time, it's pretty clear that the performance we're getting out of the Democrats will put Republicans in power. They know that too, don't they? Don't they know that? <laughs> Maybe they don't. All right. Um, so here's uh, CNN helping the public understand what's in the bill. Finally. You know, it's a complicated bill with a lot of stuff in it, and I'd like to understand it better. And so for the benefit of my viewers here, I'm going to read CNN's description so that all of you will finally know what's in this complicated bill. Are you ready? This should answer all of your questions. Um, as written, the current compromise version, this is one Manchin put together, of the bill would establish national rules for running elections. Sounds good. Limit partisanship in the drawing of congressional districts. Looks good. Looks good. Um, and uh, force the disclosure uh, of many anonymous donors who spend big to influence elections. I like that. Pretty good. Pretty good. Other provisions were aimed at alleviating concerns from local effect, uh, election officials who worried that the original bill would have been too difficult to implement. Okay, so they simplified it. Good. And some new additions were aimed at insulating nonpartisan... Uh, I don't know what that means. Blah, blah, blah. It also included a number of changes sought by Manchin. Blah, blah, blah. Including a provision that would limit but not prohibit state voter ID requirements. Do you think you know enough about the bill now to have an opinion? No, no, <laughs> not even close. Uh, basically, CNN is just sort of like brushing the top of it. Uh, they, might as, they might as well have named uh, the parts of the bill awesome things that everybody loves. How would you like a bill? We're going to fill it with awesome things that everyone loves. Oh, don't ask the details. No, don't ask about the details. Don't ask how it will be implemented, what the, what the cost of it is, what the side effects will be, and how it will distort anything. Don't ask that. It's just called the awesome bill that everybody loves with things in it that you want. That's all you need to know. Don't give us all these details about what's good or bad about it or all that. It's just the awesome bill that everybody loves. And then Democrats can get everything they want. So there is a reason that our system is a republic. Do you remember what it was? Anybody? Anybody? Why is our system a republic and not a pure democracy? This. <laughs> this. This is why. Because the public can't understand this stuff. So if our elected officials... Um, go in there, you know, they have a better chance of understanding it. That doesn't work so well either. But, uh, yeah, there's a reason we're a republic. Did you see the video of uh, Jeremy Raskin, uh, Democrat, interrogating uh, Republican Matt Gates about the January 6th stuff? It's, it's a pretty good clip, so if you get a chance, I think I tweeted it today. 
So Raskin is really going hard at, at Matt Gates, challenging him to, uh, does he believe that um, Trump won the election or not? Now, to his credit, Matt Gates is, I don't know if you know this, but he, he was, a, I think he was like a state champion uh, on his high school debate team. I may have the detail of that wrong, but something like that. Like, Matt Gates is super good at debating things and holding his own in, in exactly this kind of situation. However, um, I, th- I think he blew his, his chance on this. He did better than most, probably a top 5% answer. Better than most. Yeah, and, and certainly showed, showed that he has the, uh, you know, the, the chops to be in that situation. But I feel like here's how I would have answered it, okay? So Raskin, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, you know, the, the thing. But essentially, Raskin was saying, you know, all these courts rejected the evidence, so how can you say that maybe the election wasn't fair when so many courts rejected all the evidence? Now, what Matt Gates tried to do was suggest that courts are not the right tool for evaluating the claims because most of them were rejected on um, grounds of, you know, whether it was an appropriate... Uh, What's the right name? Appropriate, uh, whether the courts were the right vehicle for the complaint. Um, what's the word? Standing, yes, standing. So the complaints did not meet the legal, um, the legal standard for standing, meaning that it wasn't the right people taking the right complaint to the right court. Is that, is that close enough? It wasn't the right people taking the right kind of complaint to the right court. So we never had a situation where the right people took the right complaint to the right court, uh, although sometimes I think they did. But in general, a lot of things were rejected by standing. So Matt Gates tries to give that answer. How was that answer? True. So Matt Gates' answers were accurate and right on point. Also a complete failure, persuasion-wise. So being accurate and being right on point, and being confident, and all the things he did right, because he did a lot right, not even close to being good enough. Here's what good enough would look like. You ready? Put me in Matt Gates's chair. Jamie Raskin says, you know, Scott Adams, that no court, and he lists the number of courts and the number of claims, and they've all been turned down. He says, what do you, what do you think about that, Scott? No court, no court. Here's the right answer. Um, I'd like to understand your question better, uh, Mr. Raskin. Um, There seems to be an embedded assumption in your question, and I just need a clarification. Can I get a clarification on the question? Are you suggesting that the courts would be the right place to evaluate the claims? And Raskin would say something like, "Um, um, you know, all these courts rejected it. They all rejected it. He'd probably just repeat himself. You say, yeah, I know, I heard that part, and and I agree with everything you're saying, but I'm looking for your assumption. Is your assumption that the courts were the right vehicle to evaluate claims? Because the courts said they weren't. You know all the ones you're mentioning? Are are you aware of that, Mr. Raskin? I I just need a clarification. You're aware that the courts said they're not the right vehicle for this, right? So I'm a little confused why you're asking the question. Were, Were you not aware of that? Right? <laughs> you, you could basically end Raskin right there. But you have to do it by asking him for a clarification. 
Because you need to put him on his heels. Here's what Matt Gates got wrong. He entered Raskin's frame. He entered his frame. Raskin painted a box and then invited, you know, linguistically, he painted a box and then invited Matt Gates to get into his box, which was a kill box. And Matt Gates walked right into the kill box, well-armed, well-armed, because Matt Gates is really, really good at this stuff, but he walked into the kill box. Don't walk into the kill box. <laughs> never, never. Don't enter his frame. You've got to break his frame. He, he offered a frame. You say, I need a clarification on that. Because there, there's an assumption embedded in your question that, that I, I need to understand, because my assumption wouldn't make your question make sense. But maybe you can explain it to the public why the, the courts didn't think they were the right vehicle for this, but, but you still do. Is there something that you know that the, all those judges don't know? Jamie Raskin? I mean, or Jeremy? Hey, uh, there were, what, 60-some judges who all think that they were not appropriate vehicles for this question. But you still think they were? Hmm, better explain that. See where I'm going? Okay, how many of you think my answer would be better? You know, you can be brutal. You can be brutal if you think it isn't. It's not even close, right? Now... Let me ask you another question. Except for the part where I would never run for president because you know, I don't want them looking into my life and tearing me apart and it would be a suicide mission, I could be president. Because there is a skill set for this sort of stuff that I possess. Matt Gates has that skill set like really, really good, but you know, he got taken down by by the media so far. I don't know if he'll recover. But um, he, doesn't have, he doesn't have my level. You know, I, I would put Matt Gates as an 8 and a 10 on communication, which is higher than almost everybody. But I am a 10. I am a 10. There are 10s. I think Trump's a 10. Trump's a 10. Absolutely. And I... And let me be clear, it's not because of some genetic quality I possess. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm good at this because I'm somehow born, born with talent. No, it's, it's a skill. It's literally just a skill you can study. I've studied it. Anybody who had studied it as much as me could do what I do. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, same problem. You know, uh, let's, let's take Mike Cernovich. By the way, if you don't know, I use him for all my examples. For some reason, he fits every example like story. Uh, I don't know why, but there's something, something about the nature of him that he fits lots of stories. If Mike Cernovich wanted to be president, again, you'd have to subtract out whatever you know, things the press would talk about in his past. So neither he nor I are really legitimate possibilities for the president. But does he have the skill set to do what I just told you Matt Gates should have done? Yeah, he does. How much would you like to have seen Mike uh, Cernovich answer Jeremy Raskin's question in public? <laughs> it would have been different. <laughs> it would have been different. Yeah, you, you can, you can uh, talk about all the reasons that he or I 
are unqualified for other reasons. But communication-wise, uh, he's a 10. All right. Supply chain. Yeah, Trump would have fixed this by now. I, I feel like there could have been a, uh, a warp speed version for trucking. I do think that the, the, the number one reason I get for the supply chain problems is that there aren't enough trucks and truckers. You don't think Trump would have already uh, spun up a warp speed for trucking? And how hard could it be? How hard could it be to do warp speed and say, uh, well, we got a problem here, but in three weeks you can have a shit ton of trucks and truckers? There are definitely enough unemployed people who want jobs. You could definitely temporarily give them, you know, emergency pay to make it worthwhile. You could definitely get people who would be willing to be trained because, you know, maybe the training is free. Because right now I think you have to... Oh, correct me if I'm wrong. I need a fact check on this. Everybody, I need a fact check on this. Trucker school costs money that people don't have. In other words, there, there are a lot of people who would want to be truckers, but they can't afford it because the trucking school costs money. How do I know that? How does Scott know that trucking school costs money and the people who might want to be truckers don't have that money? The reason I know that is I once paid for somebody to go to trucking school. Do you know why I did? Because there was no way in the world that he ever could have gotten the money together. That's right. So I've actually paid. I don't know if he went. I remember I offered. But... um, offered to pay for somebody to go to driving school because it wasn't a problem he could solve. Couldn't figure out how to make money to make money. So I thought, well, you know, I could get you kick-started. And I don't remember how much. In the few thousands? Does somebody have a number for that? While we're here, can somebody do a little research and put it in the comments? Uh, what does it cost to go to trucking school? I see 3K. I see 15. It wasn't 15. I see 5K. My memory was 5K. I'm seeing 5K more than anything else. How many truckers can spend, how many people who are unemployed or looking for a new job could spend 5K to get a job that might be temporary and doesn't sound too good in the first place? How hard a problem is that to solve? Not hard. (laughs) It's one executive order and it's one emergency funding. You know, in the short term... Now, seriously, let, let me, let me ask, back up and ask the question. You don't think Trump would have solved this by now? I mean, I'm not sure I quite understand the problem, which is also part of the problem, but if any part of it is that we don't have enough trained truckers, I'm pretty sure that would be solved by now. Just pay them to go to school, and that would probably do it. Just pay for the classes. Um, now, there is a secondary question of enough trucks. Uh, California has some kind of environmental rule that um, sort of mothballed a bunch of trucks. Could any of those trucks be put back in production temporarily? Probably. You know, maybe they have to steal parts from one truck to build a good truck, you know, one good truck out of three. But I feel like these are all things you could do with an executive order. And, and a big wallet. So, you know, there's no way to know that Trump would have done a better job on this, right? But here's the things we do know. 
he would have probably fired somebody's ass by now. Right? And the country would feel good about that. Because we kind of need to see somebody get fired. Like, it's not like I have some kind of bloodlust, and I don't even have a bad feeling about you know, Pete Buttigieg. I think he has a lot of talents, has a lot to offer, I think. But I think he probably needs to get fired if he was the one, really, who should have been doing any of this or recommending it or writing the EO for Biden to sign. You know, nobody's even writing an EO for him to sign. Uh, do you know how uh, the Trump executive orders got written? Different ways, right? But generally, people who understood things and needed something and said, all right, we'll, uh, we'll write you a first draft. <clears throat> Obviously, you know, lawyers look at it. But we'll just write you the first draft. It needs to look like this. Lawyers look at it. President signs it. Who's doing that for Biden? Who, who is giving Biden executive orders, first drafts, that says, look, you know, this, this could be good if we put this in good order, you know, get it lawyered up? All right. I think we're going to see a hashtag that says Trump would have fixed this by now. That's what I think. Um, All right. That looks to be what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, Why can't more women be truckers? I, I don't know if there's any issue with that, is there? You know, the... I mean, you can think of all the usual reasons why they might not want to get into the business. Uh, Fake news. Truckers can be trained in two weeks. I think that's true. Um, Somebody said that truckers can be trained in two weeks is fake news um, coming from me. What is the the right uh, amount of time? If anybody who's been trained or gone to trucker school... What would be the amount of time to train a trucker? I say two weeks. In an emergency, two weeks. In an emergency, two weeks. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing three to four weeks is normal. So how many people would disagree with me? Six months? Three months? Do you actually know what you're talking about? or just? Uh, I think the most people are saying four weeks, and that feels right. I think it's a four-week course that in an emergency you could do in two. I think there are probably a lot of people who you know, maybe have some experience and it doesn't take them the four, full four weeks. Convoy. Convoy. Hmm. I also wondered... Uh, let me just throw something out there. Um, your housemate trained with UPS a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, slightly different problem. Let me ask you this. We've got all these products at the ports. Uh, I guess they're unloading a lot of the products from the shipping containers and putting them in temporary warehouses until they can get enough trucks. Is there a play where we could discount those goods and just sell them at the port? I don't know. I mean, it's probably impractical, but I just wonder. Uh, Let's just work through this. Let's say you heard that uh, there were a whole bunch of shipping containers with, I don't know, televisions, a bunch of new 4K TVs. And there's a whole shipping container, and they just can't get it on a truck. And let's say that the company who purchased them for whatever retail purpose says, look, can you let us sell it? We'll sell it right out of the container. If you let us sell it out of the container, like we'll just stand there with a credit card reader, 
You just take one out, take one out of the container. I'll just put your credit card in here. You just put it on your truck and take it home. Give you a a 30% discount. 30% discount if you put it on your truck and take it home. Um, It would be a total bottleneck traffic nightmare. Probably. Probably. All right, let me me open it up again. Is there no way to get those containers to someplace where it wouldn't be a bottleneck? Such as putting a container on one smaller ship? Nah, you probably can't do that. I don't know. I'm just, just brainstorming. <clears throat> I'm sure people have thought of all these things and rejected them for one reason or another. But I think we've got to get creative. And I'm not sure anything's happening. So here's, the pro- here's my main problem. Uh, everything else is just speculation. The main problem <clears throat> is that the Biden administration has no lead face telling us what's happening every day. And we need somebody to tell us what's happening every day now and be right about it. Um, Use FedEx and UPS offices. Well, I don't know how that would work. The highways are the bottleneck. No, I don't think they are. Well, maybe just around the ports. That could be true. Uh, no trucks in California because no independent contractors in California. Yeah, I've heard that issue. There's something about uh, you have to be an employee to drive a truck in California because they don't want independent contractors to be I don't know, cheating on their taxes or whatever. Again, how easy would that be to fix with an executive order? Right? It's an emergency. Every one of these problems don't apply in an emergency. You know, I was saying that during the pandemic <clears throat> when you know, Trump was doing EOs. A lot of people would say, well, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I kept saying the same thing. <clears throat> in a crisis, you can do anything. There, there are no rules in a crisis, <laughs> except that it's a, you know, whatever you're doing makes sense. The only rule that makes sense in a crisis is, is does this look like it'll work? That's it. Everything else doesn't matter. You can get rid of that stuff. Yeah, you have to be on war footing. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you'd have to suspend OSHA. You probably have to suspend a whole bunch of stuff, but temporarily? It's all, it's all doable temporarily, it looks like. All right. Uh, why is everybody talking to user SLAX? Apparently there's a troll over here that People are taking this seriously on uh, YouTube. All right, uh, that's all I got for now, and I will talk to you tomorrow. I know you can't wait. You're already looking forward to it. Come on, you know you are. See you tomorrow.